So Thanksgiving is here. And the first thing I'd like to do is thank our listeners. That's so sweet. Thank you, listeners. No, seriously, I want to thank all our listeners, all our Facebook fans, all our Twitter followers, all the people that come to the Gun Show podcast and read our stuff and click on the links. And And our Instagram followers. And our Instagram listeners. So uh, thank you. And uh, I tell you what, thank you for spreading the word on the Gun Show podcast. We're growing more and more each episode. Are they episodes? They are now. Yep. Each episode. Webisode Each cast that we pod. Yeah. (laughs) That's what you do with it. Yeah, you cast that. And then our listeners go and cast it out into the world and share it with their friends. Yes. And keep doing that. And thank you. Please. Yes. We uh, do appreciate that very much. So I think we got a pretty good show for you today. Um, so let's just go ahead and get the the one out of the way that we all know that we need to talk about real quick, and let's talk about what happened in Paris. Yeah, we did. The, in case you've been living under a rock, deep, deep, deep under, under a rock. rock. Not even like the commercial with the caveman rock, but like deep under a rock. Um, some terrorists uh, went and shot up a theater and a bar and a soccer stadium and blew themselves up and did all sorts of terrible things in Paris. And uh, we would like to, first of all, pause uh, and give like a nice moment of silence uh, for all the victims, their families. Uh, and I tell you what, for all the uh, the police officers and the government agents and those types that are now um, in danger hunting down the perpetrators and the supporters of these uh, types. So thanks for that, and uh, I'd like to talk about Paris a little bit because although it was a terrible thing and we can we could point fingers and blame things and religions and peoples and groups or, or whatever, but I'd like to talk about lessons that we can learn here at home uh, that are firearms-related, uh, mainly because, you know, it's a firearms-related podcast. Uh I'd like to talk about um, one, one thing I'd like to talk about is homemade explosives. Uh, the, the terrorists uh, in Paris reportedly use something called TATP, which is like acetone peroxide or something, some homemade, very volatile explosive. Yeah, it's extremely unstable, yeah, right? Unstable, volatile. I mean, like unstable to the point where if yeah, you, if you go to chest bump your buddy. Yeah, it blows up if you're like, both wearing Like you're getting all pumped yeah. up to do this and you're like, hey, let's chest bump before we do this. I never thought of that. That's a very good point. Doe chest bumps. With I wonder. Stuff. I wonder if they yeah. put like safety manuals out that actually say that. Yeah, well, probably not. Probably no, no, mm-hmm. no, no. But uh, uh, I want to talk about uh, homemade explosives, homemade vests. Uh, and we're not going to go into great detail. We're just going to no, talk generally no, no. Gen- over this. General ideas. Like if you found yourself in this situation. We've all trained as as defensive shooters and and gun owners, and I don't know about you, but we've all trained to aim for center mass, right? Right. Uh, In these cases, if you hit this volatile homemade explosive, and I never thought of this before now, it goes bang and, you know, maybe takes you out, depending on how close you are, right? Maybe takes out the people you're trying to protect. That would mean you would need to concentrate on headshots. And we, we talk about on this podcast how difficult headshots are to make. But if somebody's wearing a vest 
with explosives on it or what you think may be wearing a vest with explosives on it or a belt or whatever, then you need to shoot them in the head. Well, this is going to be practice that you would see in general if if you saw somebody coming at you that had a vest on. Right. Because in, you in don't a, know if it's a bulletproof vest. You know, you have no idea what it is, yeah. and you're not going to be able to stop them maybe fast enough if it is a bulletproof vest. So you're going to be aiming for either a headshot or extremity like the leg or something to maybe slow the person down and then mm, you know continue what you're yeah. doing yeah. because to me i have two legs and a head is usually the width or at least as wide as one leg so you have a little bit more of a, an area yeah. to try to shoot someone so That's an i, I wonder i've never been in this situation and i pray that i never am in this kind of a situation but i i, I think i personally may gravitate gravitate towards the under the vest at least for the first initial volley before trying to move up and that's very interesting and 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 i don't want to i don't think you should go to the range and practice only headshots or only pelvic shots or right oh no no, ankle shots or any of that sort of thing i am just saying that the key to success when you hit a scenario that you've never trained for or you haven't trained for enough, is being able to visualize that scenario and work your way through it, right? Right, right. So I just wanted to throw this out there. Uh, we saw it actually happened here in Paris. Uh, right. So I just wanted to throw that out there, that scenario, get everybody thinking, get the thought process Yeah, and, and get on Facebook, facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast, and tell us what you think. Just send us a message. Yeah. If you don't want to have your name brought up but you want to talk to us you can always send us a message yeah you can always send us a pm you know? or an email yeah or any of the ways you could tweet us can't you tweet we and, and if we bring it up and you don't want us to say your last name or anything like that we will just say one of our listeners we've done it many times in the past and yeah we don't know. mind doing that. yeah of course not. anonymity but is your friend especially when we have something that is really interesting and propels the topic to the next level too yeah which we do get quite quite often from a lot of listeners so uh Keep on sending that mess, those messages in and that that feedback. So, yeah. yeah, and I think that being adaptable to any kind of situation that you're in is going to be one of the most important things to survival. Because you're always hearing things like, oh, you need to aim for the, the chest. You need to aim for the head. But you know what? You don't always have a headshot. You don't always, always have a chest. What if you are, another scenario, what if you are at a bar and most bars at the windows have these chest high um bars i guess <laughs> bars or, you know whatever they have a oh, chest yeah, high yeah, and yeah. it has like usually has a panel that drops down a foot or two well if you're trying to get kind of under that but you can only see the you know that this is the person you can see the firearm but you only really have a good shot on the legs you know what do you do that's hmm. a situation where you need to be thinking about oh, the think possibilities yeah. what is going to happen here I'm no, I, I realize that engaging this target, I need to follow through with every bit of this situation. I, I can't stop. I can't shoot him once or twice and then just go, okay, it's done, and run away. Oh, that's another. Well, that's another part of the thing that you've got to remember. We always train, you know, two shots or three shots or whatever. And we've talked about on this podcast how terrible a a man stopper for lack of a better term the a handgun around is oh yeah so you need to practice in putting enough shots to stop the threat well not to mention when you're in those kind of situations and you interview someone or you talk to them you 
often find out that they don't even know if they fired their gun or how many times they fired their gun. Oh, yeah. So I, what used to be really popular about 12 years ago, I don't know if it came from a movie or something, was counting your rounds. Did you ever hear about that? No. Well, yeah, when I was at a really? range one time, there was a guy telling another guy, he's like, and what you need to do is you need to make sure that you are counting your rounds. That way you know when you need to drop your magazine and put another one in. And I'm like... Uh, you know, I was really young in the shooting yeah. sports and I mean, industry, it, it, and it, uh, it makes sense from a revolver standpoint. A practical, you know, pragmatic. You know, if you could count your rounds, you would know when to reload, and that would be better. Yes, right. The, the problem is, I think you should be concentrating on surviving this gunfight you're in. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the... <laughs> you know, probably all of your concentration needs to be put that way, making weird shots, not getting shot. Don't stick your ankle out. Uh, you know, we've taken uh, VC, VCQB courses. VC, yeah, yeah VCQ, vehicle... VC, VCQB courses. You're yeah. like really throwing wow. me off. Vehicle close quarter combat. Right. So we've taken Battle. those... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to follow through. I mean, that's what it is. You, you're going to throw the B at the end of it, then it's battle. So uh, one thing we learned is you can duck under a car and shoot somebody in the ankles if that's all the target you're given, like you, like we were talking about. So you don't want your ankles to be sticking out from under the car. You want to be behind the cover. So, yeah, you, 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 no time to count shots. No, I, I don't think that there's Speaking any time. Speaking of counting shots, a, a listener brought up a very good point. About the um, the particular the shootings in the theater, uh, Aurora, Colorado, in or? in Paris. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, at the at the concert venue, I guess is a better term for it. I, I guess it's a theater. Um, but they said, uh, you know, you have four or plus shooters with rifles, you know, shooting up a place and taking hostages. What can you do about that if all you carry is, say, your 1911 with no reload or your little pocket pistol with no reload or, or J-frame in an ankle holster? You know, at that point, you're kind of relegated to making sure you survive and whoever's near you can't ex- maybe survive and getting them out. And that's all you can really do. You can't really fight them off and right. you know, win the day. For And I'm sorry, as much as we want to daydream and think that we're going to shoot that person, go get his rifle, yeah, and then take care of business. Yeah, you, there's no guarantee. What if, here's here's where I always kind of go with this, is people say, well, you know, I'll take their rifle or I'll take their, their gun. What if they have a sling on their rifle and you're trying to get this rifle off of this person while you have three other... Yeah, three active other shooters maneuvering on you. Yeah, one would assume you're not you're not going to James Bond it. You yeah, know? and then what if he's got a terrible sling? He doesn't have a nice magpul right, sling no, no with quick a QD. Yeah. yeah, what and if you're he's got stuck. a bad sling? Yeah, mm. you know you're trying to rip it off of him. You're trying to to work with it. And not to mention, I don't know if anyone has ever done this, but uh, pulling around one of those dummies, dead weight. Oh yeah, yeah, dead weight is very hard to manipulate. Yeah, you don't. You, yeah, listen. um... Even having a knife, I mean, what, what if, what if, oddly enough, what if, oddly enough, he used a freaking power cord? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, you know who what? Knows? I, who yeah, knows? It's true. made of metal. You can't cut through things, it. You're like, oh, I have things, no idea. Things happen, right? Yeah. Things, things are go crazy. You can't count on such things. Uh, what you can count on is 
is how you prepare yourself. And we right. talked about this mental uh, visual visualization. Uh, and I want to talk about, uh, you know, carrying your Glock 19 with your reload with you instead of your normal little pocket pistol, maybe. If you go into that kind of situation, you know. Um, but here's the thing is you don't know what kind of situation you're going to go into. And your mindset needs to be, I'm going to carry this this way every single time or I'm not. Because you don't want to find yourself caught in a situation where you are actively engaging a shooter, and then you go, "Oh my mag, oh my mags," but there they're not are there. there. Pragmatically, I agree with you philosophically, one hundred percent. You never know when it's going to happen. You don't know, you know, if you knew when there'd be a fire, you never need to carry a fire extinguisher because you just wouldn't go to that place where it caught fire. Right? I would always you carry would... a fire extinguisher because I would know where the fire was and I would and put you it go out to it and put it out. Yeah. I never thought that's a very good point. Logic. <laughs> so anyway, okay, what oh, were you but, saying now? But if you knew there was going to be a gunfight breakout to where you were going, you wouldn't carry more guns. You just wouldn't go, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would call so, the cops or something. <laughs> call the cops. Hey, there's going to be a gunfight. Yeah, just as an FYI. Yeah. But there are situations that you can maybe that are low risk and high risk. Does that make sense? There mm-hmm. are situations where... The, because let's face it, concealed carrying a pistol, a handgun, even a Glock with an RMR and a light and a threaded barrel and spare magazines, whatever. It's risk reward. It's, it's, it's still what a every, everything is. Everything is risk reward, right. even a gunfight. Yeah. Well, oh, we, yeah, exactly. Know, it, if you could run away and survive the day, right. would that be better off? Well, to some people, yes. To some people, no. So, they couldn't yes, live that so way. So, what's my yeah. risk? I run away and more people die. You know? Exactly. Like, what is your reward? And, and by reward, I can mean even a negative thing. You know, your reward oh, exactly. could be more people getting hurt or your family yeah, getting hurt you, or something like you that. Could, you never you could, know. You could really screw up and shoot somebody on accident who you didn't want to. There there are there are all sorts of scenarios that could take place and you have to weigh all those things when you make a decision. And and you know, God forbid you ever have to make this yeah. kind of decision. It would just every shoot, and, and I know this, we say this, but hopefully for any new listeners out there, no one that I know actually wants to get into a firefight. There's not a single so. person no. that I know that is just no. like they might say, "Oh man, you know what?" They're not actually really truly excited to get no. into any kind no, of no, a no, 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 no. Let's face it. Even though you know the warrior may have the innate uh, want to be tested, you know what I mean? Oh right, yeah. Not at the expense of someone dying or 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 you know worse. You know uh, there are things worse than death. I think we talked about it before, but once you pull that trigger. There, the it doesn't end. The battle doesn't end. The emotional oh, yeah. stress and the toll that it takes on you. It's, you know, there there's a lot of victims when someone decides to defend themselves. They, you know, then not only are they a victim, but they have made themselves, you know, possibly a lifelong victim of sure. this, yeah. depending on how they deal with and it. And it doesn't matter if you're morally right or legally right. It's still there's still. What you, what happened? Yeah. yeah, there's still aspects of it that that, that are negative. It doesn't right. matter. I yeah. mean, you can sit there and analyze it to death, and sit there and go, "Man, if I had just done this, or I had just done that, then that person yeah. might have lived." Or, or yeah, if or, I hadn't or, gone there, you know, I would have had to shoot exactly. that person. Yeah. So yeah, there's all those types of things involved with all you know our daily lives. Let's face it. Again, we're, and we're, that all goes to being adaptable and being prepared for whatever situation yes. you might fall into. So I I hope the lesson that we can take away from from the Paris shootings is. Uh, think about it. Be mindful of it. You know, uh, be prepared for it. Maybe just mentally. Maybe 
you know, maybe you start carrying a reload in your pocket. Maybe you start, you know, carrying a gun with higher capacity. Maybe you just think about uh, how yeah. you would deploy your little mouse gun. Back. Well, I, 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 I will stick by it, and I don't think that I'm going to change. But if you are going to carry a reload or consider training with a reload, you should probably always keep that. I mean, unless I you're in a situation yeah. where you really can't. You know, you don't have an inside the waistband tuckable magazine holster and you're going to some kind of event where you got to tuck your shirt in. Speaking of those things, tuckable waistband and, mm-hmm. and tucking your shirt in, I, since this Paris thing, and, and I'm not just spewing this stuff for the sake of the podcast. This is the stuff I really think about. Uh, I started, instead of just carrying my little pocket pistol around, I started carrying my Glock 19 with my RMR. And... Uh, one of the things I like to wear on a, a daily basis is, you know, some nice tactical slacks with my belt and a shirt tucked in every day, a button up shirt tucked in. And, uh, you know, not every day, but uh, most of the days. Uh, yeah, pretty much a lot, a lot. Yeah, time. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, well, one Often. thing I discovered was that a holster we all know and love already, the, uh, Raven concealment Vanguard two. Yes. It works great for that. Yeah, it's it insane. Is yeah. if you've got now, I will caveat all of this in that I've lost thirty pounds in the last six months or so. You carry way differently than you used to so, a year ago. Yeah. Well, my my clothes fit me differently. They're the same clothes. I haven't yeah. upgraded my my uh, collection yeah. of, of clothing yet. So uh, your buttons my on your buttons up are very happy. Yes. Yes. Look, they're not even. Screwed. I look, know. That's what I mean. Before I used to know what your undershirt you were wearing. <laughs> You're like, oh man, that's that's a red undershirt or that. Why is he wearing a red undershirt under that? Wow, I don't think it was that man, right? Anywho, <clears throat> one of the things that I've been able Do you to really notice, want to hash that out here? I can tuck in my shirt yeah. over my Glock 19. And this isn't a little pistol. It's a Glock 19, right? right, right. With an RMR on it. Right. Uh I, I can tuck that in uh with this uh the the Raven Concealment Vanguard 2 which is a great holster and it's inexpensive and I'd like to and I've been appendix carrying lately but like I said I have the, the one size larger pants than I really need and my shirts aren't super skin tight anymore uh around the belly area <laughs> well you know what's really funny about that is I, I don't know if you remember this conversation we had uh two and a half years ago if not longer i just remember this because it's stuck in my mind uh-huh. i was telling you how i have a hard time because i'm a i'm a thinner build than you uh-huh. oh yeah uh much more muscular but thinner that's than what you. i'd yeah. say if yeah. i were you so um i was always telling you how based on the clothing that would fit my body type it was always hard for me to cover sure or to conceal carry and i remember you hit your stomach and you were like i've got built-in diffuser right here <laughs> and you hit your stomach and it made me think, now that you have lost all that weight, yeah. you had to kind of adapt on what you were doing. Well, You're not, not tucking it not into your to. body so yeah. much as... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. what I mean, is you've had I to change. I don't have the built-in overhand. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, yeah. You're not muffin topping it with your gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to be rude. No, but I just can't hurt my feelings. Listen, if it's a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> and that's one thing. Every body type is different. Like uh, Everybody. I Everybody, everybody carries in a different spot. That's why there's so many different holsters out there. And that's why everybody's got the drawer full of holsters that didn't work for them because they work for their buddy or they work for the guy who wrote the article on the internet or whatever. But 
One thing about uh, the holster that we're talking about now that uh, you can use it in different positions. You don't. It, it, you have to carry it inside the waistband. Oh, the Vanguard. Yeah, yeah. you absolutely can. I'm it, not a. I'm not an appendix carrier at all. Yeah. I, but it works something. for the no, it, three four o'clock carry. I it, guess you want to call it that. It uh, works for that. Well, the seven o'clock because I'm left-handed. But yes, it absolutely does. I don't. I don't understand. Seven, eight o'clock. I don't. Yeah. Not quite nine. Can't yet, fathom that at all. Yeah. Weird. No, but it does person. work. It does work really, really well for that. But you know, more often than not, anyone that I know that has a Vanguard, they do appendix carry. Yeah. Which I do have a question about that though. Yeah. What's the question? About fifteen years ago, I had my appendix taken out. Oh, I hey here. Here's the thing though. If you're left-handed. It wouldn't be appendix carry anyways. Even if you did have an appendix, ah, yeah, yeah, it'd be like lower colon carry. I submit, <laughs> I submit that we call this front carry, front strong carry, side. strong side. Yeah. Okay, front I'm carry, in strong side. Front FCSS, FCSS. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> A gun show podcast first. Here we from have, the gun show podcast. FCSS. Just rewritten the industry books. Somebody needs to put that on the urban dictionary. Yeah. When it comes. <laughs> no. I don't know where to go with that. Your yeah was just that. That carried it. So, all right. Well, we do have a lot of companies that I, I was really surprised about this because I think the last show either we talked about it or uh, we didn't quite get to it, but. With SHOT Show coming up in less than two calendar months, a lot of companies have really started pulling back and not giving out any information, except for one that is coming out and announcing everything now, and that's Magpul. Yeah, Magpul, uh, on one hand, their shipping items they announced a long time ago, last year, so... Uh, we're seeing the Glock magazines. We saw some of them. Now the 19s are shipping. Um, there's the, a, and there's a much bigger magazine that's shipping, too. Right. The sand stuff is starting to... The sand magazines and 308 sand magazines. Is that what you're talking about? The big ones? The 308 ones? No, I'm talking about one. Oh, you're talking about the... the, the, the well, snail. the ammo capacity. The snail mag. Yeah, the snail talking mag. talking about drum mag. Yep. Yeah, the Magpul D60, I believe it's called. It is the D60, yep. PMAG D60, mm-hmm. something to that effect. Uh, anyways, Magpul claims they're shipping. We're keeping our eye out for them. Uh, Our notes say they are shipping, so I would assume that they are. They're they're supposed to be a fantastic price for a working drum mag. There are drum mags out there that enjoy a good reputation that are uh, very expensive. There are drum mags out there that enjoy a good, terrible reputation that are very expensive. And there are some uh, less expensive magazines that enjoy a terrible reputation. So hopefully this is the uh, the sweet spot. Hey, it's from Magpul, right? Um, they just they just make good stuff, man. I did just I buy some of their uh, Glock mags. You did get some? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got some. I need to put some more rounds through. I it. only have the 19, but I, I did buy the uh, 17 mags. I know the 19s are shipping and they're out. Yes. But I, I, did, I did opt for the extra two rounds. I need to get my hands on some of the sand stuff. They have sand furniture now. And uh, they they are definitely shipping the sand P mags. I need to get my hands on. Some yeah, of those. I've seen a. I've actually seen a few of those. They're supposed to be stronger. That sand is supposed to be stronger, and I'm curious to find out. You know, because all How the P mags I've broken, it? I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Because my weak quote unquote P mags haven't broken yet, so I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm almost wondering if 
you could take that and suspend it between two pillars and then hang weights off of it until it does just fully snap. I think there was a guy that Let's broke if it does PMAGs. Now, this is back when like they first came out. Right. And I want to say he was doing drop tests with fully loaded PMAGs like eight foot up in the air, down a tube, into the concrete. I, I think something to that effect. It was something ridiculous. He right. was really torturing PMAGs. And, and for some reason, Shotgun News pops into my head. Maybe it was an article for Shotgun News where he's drop testing these things. And he broke them. Mm-hmm. And... uh you know, more power to him. I don't know. I don't know well, another way to break a PMAG than except, you know, throw it on the ground as hard as you can. Well, let me tell you this. Fully I, loaded. That is a PMAG, and so Surefire's aluminum mags and, and yeah. everything are a different story. Yeah, I, I personally do drop test all of my magazines just like, to see if they're going to pop like a confetti. Oh, you, you know? like load them all up and then just drop yeah, them? Yeah, I just drop oh, it. Why I mean, not? Yeah. Again, you know what? That almost goes back again to being adaptable and being prepared because what happens if you fumble a reload? There's, the, <laughs> But it's not a guarantee that it's not going to mess up because it hits something just perfectly. Right. No, no, no. I want, but, our, I want our listeners to understand magazines are a, a, uh, a perishable commodity. You can use them up, even PMAGs. You know, I've seen worn out PMAGs. It stuff yeah, happens, it, it right? It does. It does absolutely. Does. And let's face it: if you're paying twelve dollars for a PMAG, or if you're going, you know, uh, and buying one of these great deals on USGI type magazines that we advertise, uh, we help advertise on our blog. You know, uh, either way, they can fail, and we're only talking a few dollars. I mean, we're talking, you know, I think uh, somebody's got. Thanksgiving Day sale on D&H mags for $7 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh P mags I saw them for $10 somewhere else and and you know for that much money right. and you're talking a rifle and especially if you're taking a class where you know you don't want to be that guy and there's money involved you paid for this class mm-hmm. especially an expensive class or if your life depends on it for sure Get rid of that magazine yeah. or put training use only on it. I I, I was going to tell you I do have a few magazines that are manufacturer brand magazines, yeah. and they say specifically on them range use only. Yeah, all over it, <laughs> the front side and the <laughs> left and the right side. I'll be honest with you, I throw them in the trash. Uh, I, I've got so many AR-15 yeah. magazines. Well, mine's a handgun. Oh, They're okay. a little bit more expensive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, for I, mean, I would have training mags if if I was like because uh, they function. They yeah. just don't drop. You just, oh, they, you got to pull them out. They might kind of uh, get stuck yeah, yeah. Or, or something. I've never yeah, had yeah. really. Yeah, I've I had the same yeah. issue with AR-15 mags. Like you said, once I get rid of them, uh, no issues. Still got a ton of them. Like I said, right now I could buy ten mags for seventy dollars. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that's nothing when it comes to and and magazines. you think about how many rounds you would have to use to wear out a magazine body. Oh yeah, and I what mean, you'd have to do to that, especially like a magpul, you would probably wear out the spring before the body goes out. I bet you you'd like break your bolt on your gun before you wear out the P mag. <laughs> something. something, but anything's yeah. possible. You yeah, know? you drop well, it out of your. Can break. As soon as you drop it out of a truck going seventy miles an hour while you're shooting at hogs, <laughs> I guess anything could be. You know, and then you run up. over it when you back up to go get it. Yep, yep, that'll I, happen. I always do. That's what I saw in the commercials for it. You're so. supposed to do that, <laughs> yeah. right? Like before I pick this up, I have to run over it. Now, if you do run over it, though, if you do run over your Magpul P mag. Uh, evidently, you should go pick it up with a brand new pair of Magpul gloves. That's right. Because Magpul 
Recently, they announced one pair of gloves, and I saw them. They were the flight gloves, and I shared it with you guys on Facebook. So if you're ever interested in what's new out there, uh, you know, go to Facebook.com slash Podcast. Click the follow, the like, the button, like, and the follow the button. Share if there's one of those. Just do all of it. Yeah, just do all that. So and and you'll see cool videos like yeah. this. And Scott's going to keep you updated. And with Shot Show coming up, he's going to keep you updated. Oh, as well. there's going to be so much coverage. So, but yeah, we've it's got be like all we, the coverage. So Magpul and their gloves. Ooh, and I'll is, show you their gloves. I'll yeah. put my hands in them. Yeah. If, if, they if, let if me. the glove doesn't, if the glove doesn't fit, you must equip. No, you won't see it. Because if my hand won't go, no, on, I want I want a picture of, of that. Uh, you want a picture of the glove Listen, like not fitting? If they brought a small and your hands <laughs> are extra small, then they may not fit. Let's be honest here. So, anyways, uh, Magpul introduced the, this glove, and I'm like, oh, Magpul's making flight gloves, and I've always been a sucker for flight gloves because I'm in the military. You were actually so excited. You not only did you post it on Facebook, but before you did that, you post you texted me, ooh, flight gloves, flight gloves. <laughs> Of course I did. Well, then, after I posted the video to Facebook, Magpul came out with another pair of gloves. And another pair of gloves. Mm-hmm. And another pair of gloves. Yeah, I don't know of all the all of them, but the ones I have listed here, yeah. they have breaching gloves, they have patrol gloves, they have technical gloves, and they have ranch gloves. And they have fire-resistant versions of, like, two of those. So there's, like... And I would assume that patrol lot. is probably... If they don't have it now, I would assume that patrol will get, um, like, stab-resistant. Oh, I wonder if they're going to get, like... Do it, I wonder if it already has a barrier. I, I that's what I mean. That I, I would think that's, that that's one of the reasons why a patrol glove carries that... You know, yeah, it's designed like frisking. that. Yep, mm-hmm. when you're sticking your fingers in mm-hmm. someone's mm-hmm. pockets, mm-hmm. you want to have that protection yeah. to stop And I tell you what, uh, the price is right. What are, all what are we gloves. looking at? I mean, I know this might not be just one, but what yeah. are we looking at on pricing? Well, MSRP on the patrol is going to be forty-five. That's actually really cheap. That's that's that's. Does it does it offer that barrier? Do you happen to have that on that listing or uh, that is not listed? I tell you what, though, uh, these technical gloves. I may get one thing about these gloves that's exciting is that uh, I think they all are like uh, touchscreen compatible. Have the the fingers that work with the things? Yeah, I was seeing that a bunch of their stuff you could use your phone mm-hmm, or you could mm-hmm, mess with it. Mm-hmm. So what is a what would be? A, so I would assume a breaching glove is probably gonna have hard knuckles on it. Assumption. Uh, oh, this is a patrol glove, and it is. Let's see, one piece palm construction, lightweight cut, adjustable stuff. It gun gusset. It has a gun gusset. What is a gun gusset? Do we uh, know? Thumb and forefinger gun gusset designed for better durability and comfort with shooting pistol uh, gripped firearms. So it just means it's got an extra, like, probably like a little extra mm-hmm, thick mm-hmm, mm-hmm. layer of leather. Expansion right there. joints on the back of fingers allow better flexibility. Three finger touchscreen compatibility. I assume go. that means on like both gloves, because it'd be weird if they like two on one and one on the other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adjustable wrist, uh, impact protection with padded neoprene backing. You were right. You called it. There you go. They're padded. So yeah, and that's just the. Uh, anyways, you guys should go to Magpul. Check these out. That's just the Magpul Core Patrol gloves, and, and the, like I said, they have ranch gloves. And especially, and gloves. you know what? If you are wearing your ranch gloves or any of these other ones. They're also making a Magpul belt, so you can tuck them in your belt while holding your pants up while you're working like a hard-working American. I tell you what, that belt... And this is not an ad. We're just this good. <laughs> so, Magpul... I really like this belt. This belt, uh, 
they, they it's made out of good looking like steer hide mm. it's it's stitched with like heavy duty stitching it's got a plastic insert glued into it mm. so it's nice and stiff and it'll last forever like a like um, a like really? a kydex kydex insert yeah i'm sure it's a magpul plastic so it's the best mm. i assume right yeah uh so uh so yeah, go check that out. Uh, tell oh, us what you think. I wonder if that that plastic inside of it is sand color. Mm. Oh, I bet you it is because that's the strongest <laughs> yeah, color. Why yeah, not? It's got to be. It's got to be. What other color would it be? One of the things that's been in the news because of the presidential run-ups, all the uh, uh, primaries are coming up, and all the people are. What's the word I want? I don't know. Fighting. <laughs> Terrible. Fighting. Fighting for position. Yes, that's the word I wanted. I'm going to say like jocks. The candidate jockeying for yeah. position yeah. Uh, for their uh, party's uh, nomination for a presidential candidate, right? Right. And one of the things that the left, uh, I'm sorry, the Democrats, uh, but I repeat myself, uh, bring up is uh, guns. And they keep bringing it up and they keep bringing up things like gun crime and this, that, and the other. And, uh, there was an article that I don't want to give any credence to, but uh, it, it got me thinking. It was one of these articles that shows where crime guns come from. Because okay. the ATF will give you a report, and uh, I'll throw Can, a link Let's up on give Facebook. a little bit of credence to them, just so yeah. that if anybody wants to, they have a general idea of where they should be looking. Oh, there's plenty of these. If you okay, just so this Google isn't just this, one specific no, no. one. Okay. This, was, this isn't one specific article, but this one specific article messed up. And what this one, normally these articles say all the guns come from all these other states where it's easier to get guns and they all flow to Chicago and they all flow to LA and okay. they all flow to New York. You've seen these articles. Yeah, yeah, right? that's the general yeah. consensus. Well, of most this of them. one mentioned a particular NYPD officer who's tragically killed in the line of duty, or the, the two, the two cops. I think we talked about them on this podcast. They were shot in their squad car. They were just sitting in their squad car and they got gunned down. Oh, like yeah. a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they said the gun used to 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 you know uh, mow down these cops was purchased in Alabama, and I thought to myself, now here's something I can actually check. I can actually verify this is a fact. This isn't just numbers and statistics and things that you know you can. I, I hey I can write a great article on statistics. You just go to thegunshowpodcast.com and check it out. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, this was a verifiable, so I went and looked it up, and it turns out it was true. This gun did come from, I want to say it was Georgia. It might have been Alabama, but it, that's not the point. The point is it was bought there in like 1996, which means the gun over the course of you know 20 years worked its way up to New York yeah. and was used in a murder. So it's not like the gun was bought in Alabama, put on the back of a truck, and trucked up to New York. It just, over its lifetime, worked its way to New York because it was probably stolen. You said like 86? Uh, 96. So, oh, 96. Yeah, yeah, about 20 years, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, give or take. I'm no, no, rounding. Yeah, yeah. I'm rounding. I yeah. thought you said 86, and I was no, about no, to no. say, no, that's about 30. So, yeah, it about. It turns hmm. out the ATF tracks these sort of things. It's called time to crime. Okay. And it's one thing that I'd like all our listeners to be aware of when people start talking about guns come from these free states to these terrible places where they used to murder people and they want to blame the free states. Uh, you know, just a, a good factual instead of the, the philosophical argument that, yeah, because we're free and you people are terrible and that's why the, you have all these crimes. 
Right. But one of the things the ATF tracks is time to crime, which is from the time a gun is bought legally okay. to when it turns up in a criminal enterprise. And it turns out the national time to crime is about 11 years. Okay. So 11 years after a gun is bought, mm-hmm. it turns up in a crime. Well, what does this tell you? What does it tell you? It, it tells us like the scenario isn't, you know, Joe Bob gun dealer isn't driving to Texas and loading up his SUV full of Kalishnikovs from, you know, the Texas gun shop and driving them up to Illinois mm-hmm. and pulling over in the, the closest Chicago suburb mm-hmm. and offloading them and selling them to the gangbangers to kill each other. It's not happening. It's just not happening. And if it is happening, it's an infinitesimal number because the time to crime guns, it's not a short amount of time. It's over 11 years. What happens is these, these guns are bought by normal people. They're you know, by like you and me, they're 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 bought for whatever reason. They're legally bought for legal reasons and kept in legal places, and then mm-hmm. they're stolen. Let's face it, one of the biggest places a crime gun comes from is theft. People break into people's homes and steal guns all the time, right? And that's because, like jewelry and money and and electronics, stealing guns is very lucrative. You can trade them for drugs. You can trade them for cash. Uh, they're very uh, liquid commodity. So guns are stolen, and then they're traded on the streets, and then they, they end up in a crime, and the cops pick them up, and they trace them. And that's where we see this number 11 years later. Right. Now, it turns out some states randomly uh, you know, have a, have a lower time to crime. Arizona is like 8-point-something years. California is like 13-point-something. Right. Illinois is almost 14 and change. It's like statistics, like we said last Yeah, last it's just show. statistics. It, it's all different wherever, whatever region, whatever state, mm-hmm. whatever you go yes, to. Yes, so. exactly. And like you said, you can make statistics. But I just want everyone to understand that when they tell you cry, guns come from uh, uh, Virginia to D.C., or they come from uh, Tennessee and up into New York, and they come from these other f- places. Well, yeah, they do, but it takes them 11 years to get there. So right, I just wanted right. – I, I want everyone to, to have a little bit of facts, and then they can debate the merits of you know a terrible place like Chicago uh, with a uh, relatively you know strict – gun control laws, having a giant high murder rate, mm. whereas some place like, oh, I don't know, Dallas, Texas, right. has a fairly comparatively low murder rate uh-huh. and fairly lax gun control laws. Right. Speaking of lax gun control laws, I'd like to talk about uh, Thanksgiving some more. And we already talked about we thank you guys for listening. Right. And uh, I wanted to talk to talk about the things I'm thankful for in the firearms world right now. One of the things I'm thankful for is uh, 22 is becoming more prevalent. I keep seeing it pop up on the shelves. And I was in one of the giant outfitter box stores lately. Uh, we'll call this one Cabela's. And uh, they had like eight or nine different flavors on the shelf at normal Cabela's, you know, a little bit too much pricing. Right, right. 
And uh, I thought that was great. And this was on a Saturday. This was there was lots of. Hey, people. maybe that maybe that's not just that price anymore. Maybe that's what it's going to. Oh, that'll be interesting to see. That. Well, I tell you what, they we have, noticed that Walmart raised the price on some of their stuff, and I, I, why would they bring it back down? Well, there's no reason for them. Walmart's going to charge their whatever their markup is. They're not going to change it due to a fluctuating. Um, so you think that's their cost? Yeah, yeah. They've increased it. They have a set. I you think know, well, ammo point eight nine percent above yeah. percentage above whatever cost. Their, yeah, whatever their and market. So when is. they buy it, they get it in and they say, "All right, well, we just got you know the next two years allotment, and it's thirteen cents more. And we're just going to raise the price." Or a dollar more or whatever. Whatever cost yeah. them, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, so that's Once exactly they plug it into that system, you know, Joe yeah. Bob over there is like, that's it. That's the price. And I Until could be, we run out of that. And we, yeah, you could be wrong. I could be dead wrong here, but I'm almost 100% certain that's what happened. Well, uh, what has happened since Sandy Hook and the, the initial panic and the craziness and the 22 shortages that has followed the last few years has been that ammo prices have slowly creeped up. Brass has gotten a little more, more expensive. Mm-hmm. Copper has gotten a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to see uh, copper uh, and brass kind of go away. I know there's a uh, one of the uh, steel case companies, uh, one of the Russian companies, Tula Ammo. And Tula. Switched, Wolf, Tula yeah. specifically switched from a copper wash on their steel uh, jacketed bullets to a zinc coating. Hmm. So, because copper, I assume it's cheaper. You know, why else would you do such a thing? Uh, but, but you know, from a, from a copper wash to a zinc coating, you know, uh, that's less copper. Um, another thing I've noticed is the copper ammo is starting to come cheaper from countries we haven't seen ammunition before. Uh-huh. Here in America, I'm seeing Slovak ammo hmm. under the Hotshot brand. I'm seeing Pubjetta, which is from... Um, I'll get this right. Hold on. Uh, not Bos- Bosnia Herzegovina. Sounds right. Yeah, I think it's Bosnia. Man, I can't remember. It's it's something like that. It's uh, <laughs> it's a country we haven't gotten ammo from before. Regardless. Also, uh, companies like Winchester. We've seen Hornady in the past come out steel case. I was say yeah. I was, Win- I was the had that on the tip of my tongue. Winchester just came out with steel cased ammo. Did they? I think it's called something Forge. You know, mm. check check it out on the shelves in the cool box. Uh, if it was so, me, it'd be like American forged ammo. So that may be what it is. That's good. That's good. Dang, That's, you should be in marketing huh. or something. All right. Have you thought about that? I will now. Yeah. So that's what I'm thankful for. 22 looks like it's going to be back. It's making a comeback. I'm thankful for it. I love shooting 22. I love shooting 22 through my AR-15s and my 1022s and my 2245s and all my my 22 adapters for my AR-15s and through suppressors and I just love shooting 22. Yeah, the, the most important thing to remember about what you're thankful for is if it's places like Aim Surplus or just anything with a firearms manufacturer or designer, anything you buy this, your wife, your girlfriend, your bank account are not thankful for those places. <laughs> We're supposed to be thankful for stuff, not not thankful I'm for I'm telling stuff. you. You're terrible at this. <laughs> this was so easy. All you had to do was be thankful for something. I'm thankful for ammo. I'm thankful for the... Uh, I am thankful for the Raven Vanguard 2 holster, which oh, we already yeah. talked about. I'm really thankful, thankful for that. For that. What yeah. else? Um, and you are right about being thankful about that 22 finally coming back into the market. 
It's becoming a little bit more readily available. Heck yeah. And people like you who love 22. I do. I love 22. Can afford to shoot it more. I love it. You You can afford to fill up those magazines. You know, I actually, the other day I was getting ammo to go to the range. I said the other day it was, you know, a little while back. But I actually ended up just buying five five six because it, the price was comparable, and I was You're just like, like, you know oh, what? It's two cents more to fire five five six. I'm ooh, just going to go ahead ooh. and do that. That's the other thing I'm thankful for. The That's price it on right that, there. yeah. The price on nine millimeter and, and two two three yeah. is so ridiculous cheap right now. It's where it's supposed to be right now. If you shop around, you can get nine millimeter for nineteen cents around, and I'm talking, I'm talking brass nine. case. Yeah. I'm talking uh, uh, brands we've heard of, maybe not from Slovakia or not Bosnia right. and Herzegovina, but, but brands we've heard of. You know, uh, uh, I've seen two twenty two. I've seen two two three for like twenty one cents around. Or yeah, did I see that too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I did. yeah the the, the steel case stuff for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, maybe even cheaper than that uh, off the top of my head. We've seen seven point six two by thirty nine go down. Oh, it's dirt cheap. It's just yeah. everything's so cheap. I'm so happy about ammo prices. I'm so happy about AR fifteen prices. The rifle or components or what? Yes. Yes. Rifles now, I think the going rate on the cheap, cheap rifles is like less than $500. Wow. I'm talking Smith & Wesson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking Delton Sports. I'm talking Smith & Wesson Sports. I'm talking, uh, uh, what is it, the Bushmaster Carbon 15s, DPMS Oracles. Definitely less than $500 all day long. All you got to do is sign up for emails at these places uh, places like uh, uh, Grab a Gun Defender Outdoors, uh, Aim Surplus, uh, Palmetto State, who we always CMMG. like to mention. CMMG. CMMG. Everybody. Just go sign up for everybody's emails if you need gun stuff. It's so cheap right now. Wait for the sales. Grab a hold of it. And then uh, if it's a really good deal, uh, before you post it to our Facebook page, buy go it. ahead and message us. Buy it. And then <laughs> message us so we know before you guys do. Buy it.